Another week of summer, another week of summer closer to the CFL season kicking off. Don't forget, you can use that promo code CFL and get yourself some great deals on all things Sawdust City Beer. And of course, we are always joined by Sam Corbet of Sawdust City Beer, the uh, brewer and co-founder out there at Sawdust City in beautiful, rainy Gravenhurst as we are uh, taping this today. Sam, we've been talking about the weather being up and down throughout the summer I was saying to you before we started, it feels like it's a little bit of a rainy summer day where I am down in Hamilton, out by the Hamilton Airport in Mount Hope. And uh, today we're doing something that might be a great rainy day beer as well, which is, uh, of course, the Gateway Kolsch. And uh, as well, interview, uh, introduce your friend Ian here and explain before we get into the Kolsch uh, why we have a special guest in attendance. Well, Ian, uh, Ian's my good friend here from back in the day. He's from Bracebridge as well. And when I started doing the Sawdust, first ever iterations of Lone Pine and Golden Beach and Gateway Gulch, uh, I did them on his stove in Toronto. And uh, it's been about 10 years, so I, he was in town and I wanted to bring him in and have him in talk about, you know, what, as a home brewer, what it's like, you know, still being in the beer world. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And Ian, before we crack these things open, I want to ask you, uh, why did you allow Sam to invade your house and your stove? Uh, that's a good question. I suppose it was just for the spoils that, that would come after. <laughs> just, just the temptation of being the tester and the free beers that would uh, inevitably uh, be provided. We, and we, we actually had Ian, about, was it like three years ago, maybe? Yeah. Four years ago, we, oh, had, we actually had Ian in to do uh, a version, the very first version of Lone Pine that ever was, was very different from the Lone Pine you see today. And we actually did it, we did a big version of that and we called it Lone Prime. Because it was the first one. And we did it. Also very serendipitous because we're gonna be releasing our two thousand brew lone wine uh, in, a, in the next couple of weeks, uh, which actually after this podcast, Ian and I are gonna sample together because uh, he has yet to try it. So yeah. amazing. So for, well, we've talked about this. I think it was one of the first things that you kind of mentioned. And I know that for people that are listeners of Canadian football perspective and they know our partnership with you guys. We always give them the promo code, but we also always promise them some exclusive little tidbits and things that are coming down the pipeline here. Can you offer up a little bit, Sam, on Lone Pine Wine and exactly what this is going for? Just a little snippet, just just enough to keep people interested. Well, it's uh, it was our 2000th brew and our first ever barley wine. So we just tweaked our uh, Lone Pine up, uh, recipe and turned it up to 11 like literally it's 11.2%. It's just an up version of Lone Pine, but more like an American style barley wine. So still lots of hops, but big malt. Uh, we brewed it actually a couple months ago and it's actually been aging. So uh, as we let it condition, uh, it's going to come out um, mid-August. Uh, so it's still got a couple weeks left, but uh, we're super excited about it. Uh, it is our 2000th brew, so it's a big milestone for us. We're excited about, you know, and then we're the next, as our 10th anniversary comes up, we're excited about our next 10 years as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And uh, I think people will be very excited. I'm jealous you guys are getting to sample that this afternoon. It's a perfect afternoon to sample that. And hey, I thought it was really cool that CFP is coming up on our 200th episode being put out. You guys just blew us out of the water with your 2000th brew. So uh, big respect for that as always. Let's crack open these Gateway Kolsch. And uh, take a look at him here. Can design is always beautiful. I know. Got lots of fun stuff happening on there. Maybe you can let us know off the bat here, Sam, as we pour uh, exactly the Kolsch style. And because I know this is probably sacrilegious for you guys, 
knowing beer the way that you do 500 times better than I do. But when we did the spring Saison uh, earlier on this year, I said to you, there's always beer styles that somebody like me who enjoys their beer, loves to have all sorts of different styles of beer, but doesn't really understand what I'm actually drinking. It, the spring Saison is one that when I see it at the LCBO or online at Salt City Beer, I will look at it and I'll say, ooh, I like that style. I don't really know why, but I like it. Kolsch is the same thing for me. It's one of those where when I see it, I go, I know I like Kolsch, but I have no idea why I like it. So explain to me the style here and why people that are endeared to Kolsch a little bit, why they like it. Well, truthfully, we're not allowed to really call it a Kolsch. A Kolsch is an appellation. Like you actually have to be from the city confines of Köln, Germany, to call your beer a Kolsch. Um, so while I was at school, I got a chance to go into Köln a few times. And uh, I was actually there. It was one of the last trips I took. I got to go around Köln uh, again and visit some of the Kolsch breweries. But it's a lagered ale, which means that it's an ale. It's fermented at ale temperatures, but then lagered at cool temperatures. Um, they don't really, they didn't really know what they were doing back in the day. So this is just how they did it. And as time went on, they figured it out. But uh, it's basically like before a pilsner was a pilsner or a Hellas lager. This is sort of like that style. Very pale, very drinkable. It's like the quintessential lawnmower beer, right after the, like. In, um, actually, if you look down here, Ian, stage, we got a stonga down here. It's right down. Uh, it's gonna be too hard. To get. <laughs> it's like a 200 liter glass, it's a long tube, and the, all the cultures are served in these glasses like that. You just, and you just pull them back, wow. and uh, that's how you drink them. You go from brewery to brewery in the city center of, of Cone, which is you know. It's underneath the shadow of the dome, which is this huge cathedral in the middle of the city. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and the river, the Rhine runs right across the, right past the, the city as well. And it's just a great way to spend an afternoon. Um, like I said, I've been lucky enough to do it a few times. So the style itself has always been something special to me. And that's why it was one of the first ones we ever did. Um, I think that a lot of breweries caught on to that. And you saw that there's many in Ontario because it offers the drinkability of a lager with the ease of making an ale. And it sort of sounds romantic and mysterious. So it kind of leans into that craft thing. So you'll see a lot of breweries doing a Kolsch or Kolsch style ale in their core lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, listening to you talk about those tall glasses and you just shoot them, it makes me feel like it's an ice wine shooter in Niagara in the winter, That you're the way you're talking about it, where people just go from place to place to place and tall little test tube shooters and start popping them back, but significantly larger, I'm guessing. But uh, what's the first thing that people should expect when they uh, end up popping open a can of the Gateway Kolsch? Well, it's very light, well attenuated. You get a little bit of the it's a, we use a Pilsner malt, so we get a nice cracker malt. It's a little bit, get that sort of, a lot of people say, hey, I always hear that, but it's just, it's like malty. Firm malt. Yeah. Yep. A um, little bit of spice from the noble hops. We use Spalter hops, which is a, a German noble hop. Uh, it's not in any way a, a in-your-face beer. It's just a easy drinking sort of day beer. Um, <clears throat> and it's designed to be like that because that's, you know, how you drink it like it's like they said and when you're drinking it you have to put your coaster over top to tell them to stop and they just mark off your coaster every time you have another one so at the end you just your tab is just these checks on a coaster oh and wow they, and the, 
the waiters all have a certain look. They're professional Kolsch meters. They walk around with this tray that has maybe 20 stongs on it, and they just pull it off, and they're going like this, and they're always walking back to the taps and filling it up, and they're in their professional um, beer cellar outfit with a tie and, like, armbands and stuff, and the whole rig, they all have aprons. It's, it's quite a thing. That's um, fantastic. It's something I think you should experience if you get a chance. The, the, the downtown is like a big party center. It's the same if you go, you know, a couple hundred kilometers east to Dusseldorf, they have the same sort of pomp and circumstance for their uh, alt beer. And the two of them, these cities, they're like Shelbyville and Springfield. They both <laughs> hate each other style of beer and they just say one's garbage and the other one's not. Amazing. And Ian, when you take a Gateway Kolsch back, when you get the first kind of taste in it and sense of it, what do you get? I mean, it's a, it's a simple beer in the sense that it's four, it's, it's traditionally four ingredients brewed to a German style, right? So your, your malt, your hops, your water, your yeast, that's it. So there's nowhere for anything to hide. So, um, you know, it's clean, crisp. There's a reason I think Sam uh, called it Gateway. It's uh, literally supposed to be, it's a pun on the gateway to the north sign in Gravenhurst and also uh, kind of symbolizes it's a, it's a gateway into craft. So if you were a macro drinker or someone, you know, really into Bud or, or Bud Light or any, any, anything, any kind of a macro style lager, you could pour someone this and I don't think they'd turn their nose up at it. They'd, you could probably appreciate what's going on here. So. I'm intrigued too when you say that there's you know there's really nowhere to hide because we had talked about that previously Sam which uh, which beer was it that we were talking about where it was just it might have been uh one of the lager series if I'm not yeah. mistaken and maybe uh dad I think was yeah, when we were talking definitely dad yeah yeah and, yeah and we we were saying like when you have nowhere to hide you got to be able to do it in a, in a simple way, you need to be able to do it really specifically and make it kind of come out the same way multiple times over. And I'm wondering, Ian, from your perspective of doing home brewing, exactly how difficult that art is looking from the outside in. Uh, on these type of styles, can be can be a little more difficult at a, at a homebrew scale because um, you're not overloading it with hops, so your or or any other ingredients. So. Um, you know, your room for error and in, in how you're fermenting or your mash attenuation or your pH, all that, the real kind of nitty gritty science backbone of brewing uh, can really uh, affect a beer like this so that it, it comes through, you know, when you're in the final product as to what you're going to get. So if you're a careful home brewer, it's easy to do. If you're, or an advanced home brewer and you have the right equipment, um, if you're a beginner, it's a little bit easier to stick to a, a hoppy pale ale or something a little a little easier to pull off in the beginning stages but it's certainly not um uh unattainable for uh, to do a, at a home scale one of the big things that the difference is, is as much as you can recreate a lot of recipes at home with as a home brewer and there's plenty of books and magazines and websites to help you do that the big one of the big difference and for me was always uh, temperature control uh you know, we have ultimate control over everything that goes on in our tanks. I have a basement. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you can, that can, uh, that can be a bit of a wild card depending on the weather, the year, <laughs> the style. Some, you know, in the fall, I might do something like this because I know the basement's a bit cooler and it will hold, you know, I can hold 16 degrees down there. No problem. 
oh, but we're in the summer, it's a little hotter, so I'll stick to more uh, hockey or else or something that kind of, that won't bother, that kind of temperature won't bother. But yeah. yeah. No, it's, that is fascinating. Yeah, the, the ability to control your environment is so important to what you guys are doing, depending on your economy of scale. It's going to, it's going to change it, obviously, how big a batch you're able to make and how much it stays similar. But uh, I'll ask you as well, Sam, for people that are, are kind of wondering about comparable styles or things that are out there that um, might be, I, I guess, a, a kind of correlated to this. What would you say to them for that? Because I think there's people always look at these as individual styles and kind of being on their own island and uh, looking at things that are kind of in the wheelhouse or close to that they have an idea. Oh, okay. That's now I kind of get a sense for the area of the beer map that I'm looking at. Well, the big thing about Kolsch is that it is a lagered ale. So uh, <clears throat> we do ferment it a little colder than the rest of our, our, our ales. We do it at 19 instead of the regular 22. Um, but uh, I mean, if you're looking outside of that, like you can find a blonde ale, that probably somehow like that more of an American style blonde like you that will probably be fit the bill. But if you're looking towards a German, you probably will look deeper into the lager world. Somewhere in like a Munich house or possibly a Dortmund or like dad. Um, a, a blonde pale lager that's not very bitter, very drinkable. And that's just what this is, other than the fact that they use the ale yeast. And like I said, when they first started doing this, they had no idea what yeast was. So um, and I mentioned alt before. Alt just means old, and it's the same thing. It's a lagered ale. So it, when the name derived from the fact that it was made in the old way, in that they fermented it and then lagered it cool, and now they understand they can do these different yeasts and their different strains. So that's where the lagers came from. But you know, originally they they didn't know, and it was just the way they made it. They made it the old way. And uh, the big difference between alt and this alt's uh, more of a copper a little bit more brown ale. Like if you were looking at a spectrum there, it would be closer to like a, a British bitters. But this I would, you know, put in the blonde slash pale lager category. Okay, interesting. There you go. So now people know the uh, the area that they are looking at with this one. Sam, Ian, uh, thank you for this. It's fantastic as always to be able to catch up with you guys. Cheers and uh, don't have too much of the Lone Pine wine. I know it's Saturday night, but be careful, okay? Cheers. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks, Marshall.